0: Hello, clinicians. Hello, peers. Welcome to it. It's another episode of the Becoming Healers podcast with me, your host, Derato. I'm so, so excited to be delving in with another guest around this theme of something must die and making sure we are unpacking the perspectives that need to leave us in this time. If you didn't join us on the first podcast, then I just want to give you a heads up on what's new and what you should become familiar with moving forward. We've introduced two new segments that I hope you absolutely fell in love with. The first is in the beginning of the podcast, before we introduce our guests, we are going to spend some time shouting each other out. That's absolutely right. We're going to give each other shout outs, celebrating each other, providing each other with an atmosphere to build different cultures and build different environments that encourage us to show up in different ways. The second tradition we introduced in that first episode of Becoming Healers was to close each podcast in prayer. I hope it absolutely encouraged you and I hope you look forward to the end of the podcast where we do the same thing again and encourage each other with prayer. This new method of shouting each other out or this new tradition that we're starting on the podcast of shouting each other out is really simple if you want to get involved all you have to do is send me a voice note on the number 66 246 That is 066-246-3302. Send me a WhatsApp with your shout out to whoever you want to shout out and celebrate and thank. In the first episode, I took time to shout each and every one of you out, just celebrating all the clinicians in South African healthcare who are showing up to do their bit in the midst of great pressure and great turmoil. Last week, I shouted out some newbies. I shouted out the seniors. And I just want to continue on with this tradition of shouting each other out and celebrating people. But, we're going to get a bit more specific, and you are the ones who are going to be running this segment of the show. So I'm excited to introduce the first shout out of the Becoming Healers episode from you, my listeners. Here it goes. Hi, guys. My name is Dr. Afalayan, the original boss mom, wife, yeah. I'd like to send out a shout out to the whole OBS and Kine department of the VIT circuit. Um, I think what you guys did to celebrate and to honor Dr. Mabela's life was absolutely amazing. Thank you for showing so much love. Thank you for showing so much support to the family and reminding us all that we are all one big family and we lose one, we, lose, we all lose together. And my deepest condolences to the ONG team and we love you and, and Uh, Rest in perfect peace to Dr. Mabela. Shout out to you. You are an awesome guy and we love you. We miss you. Sharp. Ah man that was amazing i absolutely love it if you want to be a part of this you know exactly what to do if you don't remember the number i'm repeating it for the third time it's 066-246-3302 join in the fun send a shout out celebrate your peers celebrate your teams you guys are working so hard and you're doing so well and you deserve to know and to hear when what you are doing is making an impact not just for the patients that you're serving at the bedside but for the people who you're making a difference with, your team, your peers, and your leaders. All right, awesome. I'm so, so, so excited as well To start off the second episode just by reminding us of the work that we're going to be doing in season two of Becoming Healers, we are on a mission to becoming healers. That is clinicians who are clinically sound, operationally excellent, and who have the power to make a difference at the bedside and beyond. That means we need tools, tools that medical school and other institutions don't necessarily focus on giving us because that's not the primary role of becoming a clinician. But we are appreciating and we are understanding that the healthcare system we have to show up for every single day requires more of us and this is the space this is the environment we get to get together and glean from clinicians who are doing it differently who are moving in a different way so we can understand what it looks like to show up in the space and be a healer not just for the bedside or the patients who show themselves to us every day but for the system and the challenges that we face in it as clinicians as well. And so with that, I want to first start by just reflecting on our first episode. We were joined by Dr. Randy Lamfell, a passionate doctor who goes by the name of Dr. Motivation on social media. And she told us so much about the personal attributes that she uses on a day-to-day basis to ensure that she keeps and maintains perspectives that are powerful, not just for her well-being, but enable her to show up as a change agent in the space. She said that she has made it a life mission to embed strong foundations and to work hard on personal development so that she can ensure that she's well-filled to show up for a space that will constantly take from her, especially as a registrar. We learned a lot about what it looks like to be the type of clinician that knows how to set a boundary, how to say no. And lastly, she reminded us that change is welcome, that you showing up in the space, bringing ideas, bringing passion, Bringing something new is so welcome and it's probably needed. She reminded us of her movement, Kingdom Scrubs, where she inscribes scripture verses on her scrubs to remind herself of why she is in the space on a day to day basis. And how, when she started doing that, peers started taking it on and it started inspiring people on a day to day basis and opening up opportunities for conversations that wouldn't normally happen in the setting. And she encouraged us all to be the type of people who add value by bringing those new ideas. And so in this episode of season two of Becoming Healers, I have another guest who has chosen to live a life that is beyond exemplary, but she's also chosen to be a part of the change in a way that I think is absolutely magnificent. My guest for this episode of Becoming Healers is Dr. Peter Ann Brown. She is a young medical doctor and entrepreneur, and she's passionate about health tech and is the founder of both the Internship Organizer and the Wardworks app. She studied at the University of Pretoria, did her internship at Mahatma Gandhi and Addington Hospital in Durban and community service at Pretoria West Hospital. In her final year of medical school she created the internship organizer and since then 7,723 copies have been distributed. In 2020 she founded Wardworks which has recently been launched. She's currently a sessional locum doctor in the state and private sectors And this gives her the flexibility to focus on her innovative entrepreneurial endeavors. Ladies and gentlemen, please help me welcome Dr. Peter Ann Brown.
1: Dr. Peter Ann Brown, welcome to the Becoming Healers podcast. Thank you so much, Lerato. It's (laughs) so, so nice of you to have me here.
0: I'm so, so excited to have you.
1: And I really just want to kick in
0: and ask you, like, to be the type of individual who can build a business in your final year of medical school, that's honestly the type of visionary I want to be in my life and the type of visionary I want to be around. Can you help us understand how this all happened?
1: It was a very, very organic, natural process that happened. So I'm not going to claim to be anything short of a person who is in the right place at the right time with the right idea. Sure. And a bit of guts. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. I um, I remember being on a ward round as a final year, which is basically an intern already. We just weren't getting paid, and mm-hmm. every day we were writing our ward list on the back of a piece of paper. And I've never been wildly organised or a person who like loves task lists or things. But I mm-hmm. have always been someone who spots problems. And, mm. and it bugs me until that problem, especially if it's a simple problem, is solved. Um, mm. So I decided to dream up a book that I was going to print for myself at a post literally for myself. And as I started talking about it to my peers and friends, um, more and more people started saying, well, will you print me one when you go? Or please mm. print me one when you go. And so the entrepreneur inside me, an opportunity (laughs) and I saw my looming holiday without my first intern salary and I thought well maybe I can sell these books and Mm -hmm. I took a little small loan from my dad and found a printing um like a warehouse printing warehouse who I've stuck with since then um and Yeah. One thing led to another. And in my first two years of selling the internship organizer on Facebook and on WhatsApp, I sold a thousand copies.
0: And so that was when I
1: really started to realize that there was something here. And Mm -hmm. then it just grew and grew.
0: Yeah, Sure. That's absolutely incredible. And I think I I like what you said about being the type of individual who spots a problem. Because I mean, we're definitely not in a sector that is problem-free and there's anything from the very simple problems that you decide that like one that you decided to tackle and the deeply complex ones um, but I'm also really inspired by how even at that time as a sixth year on a ward round um, and as your story began to evolve you recognised that um, that they that this was a problem that was worth solving so I want to ask you a different question but along the lines of just what you chose to pursue what are, the, what are some of the problems that you've had to overcome to execute that vision? I mean, what did it mean to move from 1,000 to 7,000? Um, and how <laughs> did you, like, what did you have to overcome mentally, personally to to recognize that that could be done?
1: So I would say first and foremost, it would be juggling internship and this passion project of mine mm. and having to make very difficult decisions of whether I was going to continue, because All of a sudden, communicating with customers, advertising on Facebook, organizing the logistics of the delivery was something I now had to do post-call or before Mm. work or after work. And it's no secret that internship is draining in itself. And Mm. I don't have to elaborate on that. First and foremost, it was a balance issue. Mm. And I guess it was also just pure perseverance because interestingly enough in my second year i sold less copies than in my first year and i think this has a lot to do with how much time i could spare mm. to you know feeding into this project and it 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 was only a measure of the fact that there was less of my time and effort and love going into the project and after i saw those numbers of the, in the second year going down i I love a challenge so I thought well let, let's let's sit down let's go back to the drawing board mm. let me list my problems and try and pivot a little bit to see how I can get the book into the hands of every single intern without having to give so much of my time this concept of am I going to try and sell, sell to 3,000 customers a product that I actually wish I could just give to them because I think it will help them and improve mm. their internship mm. and I was in like knee deep in my internship, and I knew how horrible it was, and I felt I had this opportunity to help. Um, so I feel that persistence really helped, and that not not willing to give up when it got tough. Yeah. Even though during the times when I had no time to do it, and sure. so that was when I started to give myself the challenge of getting it into the hands of every intern. Mm. Rather than selling it, I wanted to gift it. And mm. I put my feelers out. And I would say the one lesson that I could teach anybody wanting to do any sort of a project is ask for help. Ask That's around, good, speak to people, pick up the phone, call people, even if they, you think they're high up in a corporate business and they won't have time good. for you. Um, because that was the turning point. I put my feelers out. I made a little pitch and I decided to find sponsors and the sponsors were there they were like yes this is what we've been waiting for (laughs) (laughs) we want to help interns we want to help in a sincere way and so I put two problems together and managed to start giving the book out for free and that was so rewarding because to Mm -hmm. give something just brings me so much joy giving is so much better than receiving and in the last three years every single intern in the country has received one as a result of the sponsorships, and advertising that I managed to get by bravely phoning people.
0: Oh, man, I'm teary-eyed. I'm happy. And there's a segment, <laughs> actually, in the beginning of the podcast that we introduced, which is celebrating one another. So I am just applauding and celebrating you for just your courage. You said so, so many things um, while you were speaking that absolutely blew my mind. Um, and one of the things that you spoke about was, you know, that place of pivoting you know, in this season of Becoming Healers, we, we are trying to focus on enabling clinicians with different perspectives that can add value because currently there's nothing pretty to look at. It all looks like a hot mess. Um, and you spoke about a critical moment where you needed to make the decision to pivot. And part of pivoting is choosing to angle and position yourself to see things differently. Um, and one of the things you spoke about is managing your time. Can you share a little bit more about how that's played out in your life and how how you've benefited from that pivot? And and what sort of were the thoughts or perspective you had to choose or walk away from to continue to live out life the way you saw fit to be able to, to do what you've done?
1: Hmm, Pivoting is certainly not easy. It feels mm. so scary while you're doing it. You feel like you're changing a whole lot of things. but I've pivoted twice now um, from selling the book to giving the book out and now from having a book to an app. So yes. <laughs> I can imagine that, that another pivot is coming my way. And yeah. let's not ignore the main huge pivot is that being a doctor, but also being an entrepreneur, which is another aspect of this. I'm not too sure if this is going to answer the question, but this is what's resonating with me. And I want to share this with the listeners is that I realized something is that we, as medical students, doctors, clinicians, we made this decision to write our name on an entry form for MBCHB in grade 11 in order to be accepted for the first time in our first year. So if we take grade 11, grade 12, six years of medical school, two years of internship and one year of community service, that is 11 years Of a one track, one decision that snowballs and puts you on one track, like one train track. And I literally picture this train track that we all don't Mm -hmm. get off of. And there's nothing wrong with staying on the train track, but we have to acknowledge how limiting that is and how that's limited our creativity and it's limited our ability to see ourselves in any other role or to understand that there could be a pivot in our lives, a pivot in the way we see medicine, a pivot in the way we innovate. And I think that's something that I think all medical students, interns, compservs, medical officers can learn from or just ponder on for a bit is that this is the decision you made in grade 11. There's nothing wrong with questioning it. There's nothing wrong with sitting and thinking, How do I see myself in medicine? How do I see my future? How do I, there's no shame in taking a break from that or saying no when someone asks if you're going to specialize. Because goodness me, if you specialize, that's another four or five years onto the 11. That's going to bring us to, to 15 or 16 years. So I don't think that answers your question, but I think it is a mindset that lots of doctors need to, They don't need to remove themselves from it but acknowledge it and see that it's there and it's something that we're going to carry with us and it's going to stop us from seeing different options because we inherently don't like to fail we don't Mm. like to step away from second year third year fourth year oh my goodness you failed an exam what if you have to do fourth year again that is the end of the world to a medical student to a ba student that's part and parcel of getting a degree yeah. To take a gap between internship and conserv, or to take a gap after conserv and not specialise, that's unheard of to us. And I want to say that it, it can happen. <laughs> Life is not a fixed train track. Sure. I'm like awestruck because... <laughs> I don't know if
0: I answered your <laughs> question. <laughs> I, I think I didn't even personally think about it that way. But I, what I heard you say was that we honestly need to give ourselves permission to disagree or agree in different ways with the parts of ourselves or the versions of ourselves that made a decision without insight about what it was going to look like to have to live it out. We are not the same people we were in grade 11. Or whenever you did make the decision, if you chose to pursue medicine after, um, yes, of course
1: there are different
0: school. different timelines, but it, they're different routes. But the point yeah. is, one, you're telling us to give ourselves permission to look at it and to look at ourselves differently because we're not the same people. And I love the idea of like just not being stuck on a train. Um, and I love the analogy of transport because there are other options you could fly to get to where you want to get to you could take a bus you could drive a car and those will look different for each and every one of us so I think what you said is so profound and I move because this is exactly my heart for the season it's just to invite each other as clinicians to just think on our lives differently but to hear from people who are actually doing it so I think you more than answered the question I think you set us free in so many ways and I appreciate you for that thank you yeah, <laughs> and it really helps me ask this next question, which is I've personally started rebranding myself as a clinician innovator. You know, this person who, like you said, we we don't hate the train. I love that clinical trainer. I, I will treat PEDs for the rest of my life if I can, but I also know that I have the ability to do other things and this train doesn't let me do that. And I really believe that you fit that description as well. What do you think has been the hardest part? of pursuing innovation as a clinician in the healthcare sector?
1: Um, Okay, once again, time. Um, Mm. We all see problems, but we have this, um, it's not my problem, mindset, Mm. because we don't have the time to solve that problem. So Mm. often we'll be faced with a simple problem, a medium-sized problem or a large problem but regardless it's going to require my time when mm. I should be going to the bathroom eating my lunch okay. spending time with my family after work so let's do the bare minimum to see all the patients and get home before the sun is set and so I think time is the biggest barrier to people applying themselves above and beyond what their job description is because I get it. You're exhausted. There's so many yeah. patients. <laughs> you you don't I mean, there's a reason why I founded this health tech startup and created the app of Wardworks after concert because it's just not possible during the train track. <laughs> yeah. And mm-hmm. so I would say the first thing would be time, but also the mm. apathy that has been we, we all have as a result of being stretched beyond our own resources. So we feel we shrug our shoulders when something goes wrong, even though if we had the time to sit and brainstorm as a team, there, there definitely would be a solution sitting in the minds of the team. But we go to the next patient because there's more patients to see and the clock is ticking. <laughs> um so just that apathy of it's not my problem Mm. and do you think
0: sorry just do
1: you think it's apathy or offense like
0: I think in season one of becoming healers we spoke of forgiving South African healthcare because I, I almost feel like that apathy becomes offense where people are so hurt they don't want to do anything anymore
1: that's a def. That I haven't thought of it that way. That is true. We almost feel like, why? why yeah. What is the system <laughs> done for me? Why, Nothing. <laughs> why? Sh- why should I spend my evening making a triage box?
0: <laughs> why? Why? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I think it's definitely. Sorry, please do continue. But that was just a thought that passed my mind.
1: Um. I would say personally, a barrier to. Me innovating and pivoting would be just that medical school doesn't teach you much about the real mm. world. Girl. Um, it doesn't teach you much about business. I mm-hmm. didn't even know how to attend a meeting. I didn't know what Me to wear. I, didn't, <laughs> I didn't know when I walk through the door must I shake people's hands? Does that seem eager? Does that not seem eager? So doesn't teach you much about business. Doesn't teach you much about technology. I guess what I'm saying is, medical school doesn't prep you for anything. Mm. Anything that you think of doing outside of medicine, and I think that's also why it's daunting to most people, mm. because we've been given a set skill set, a very, very valuable skill set that takes six years to achieve and a further three years of clinical experience. But um, you want to insert yourself into another world, and you you feel pretty stupid,
0: <laughs> but yeah. you're not
1: but no you, you, you. and then I'll come back to my first 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 piece of advice ask people for help didn't get here on my own <laughs> I mm-hmm. from day one asked people Um even when I got to I got to the point where I was asking technically my competitors I was yeah calling up the founder of Vula EM guidance sign up yeah. the health tech leaders of South Africa and all of them accepted me and welcomed me with open arms and encouraged mm. me and gave me advice and check up on me. And they all were so grateful that I called. And I started to realize that there doesn't have to be competition mm. and you don't have to do things alone. So when it came to legal advice, I phoned friends of a friend who was a lawyer. When it came to mm. accounting advice, I phoned a friend who was an accountant. <laughs> so, always, always reaching out. And then eventually got better and better at it. And yeah, so I would say that was my biggest biggest personal barrier was just lack of skills in in the land outside of medicine.
0: Sure. You said such a mouthful. It was so valuable. And I love that you echoed this idea of asking because I think asking takes a level of humility Um, that we may not be near to because we are doctors. Or, or we may find ourselves less humble than we think we are. <laughs> because we, like, definitely. we want to prove ourselves competent, but in those spaces, you really are a rookie, uh, for lack of a better term. And I and yeah. I really like that you highlighted that, but also um, also speaking on this idea of no competition. I mean, everybody wants to be the one who holds the next big idea, but I think for the complexity of healthcare solutions, particularly, you definitely need collaboration. You definitely need the support of other people so i also applaud you again for just um, the courage to do that and i and, and speaking of courage i want to also just ask a question um, about personal values what do you think are the maybe three or four personal values that you hold on to that make it easy for you to live life this way
1: um i the values of my company i mm. i keep the doctor Um, at the center of all my decisions. So when I am choosing a sponsor, when I'm choosing a brand campaign, when I'm designing a feature in the app, I try and just keep myself grounded in the fact that the intern, the user, the person who I want to help is the center of all those decisions. Because I really, I I believe that Wardworks is an app created for doctors by doctors. Mm -hmm. So that's one of my, values that I've instilled into my company is that to keep Mm. the doctor and (laughs) it's it's a junior doctor that I picture (laughs) it's a it's a stressed tired exhausted under supported underserved doctor so that would be my company's value and then personal values I would say simplicity Mm. honesty perseverance Mm. and i think that's it
0: maybe bravery <laughs> i love bravery i think i think you have to be brave to innovate i think you you, you sort of kind of have to believe like be a i think complete i added optimist. that to the list to
1: try believe <laughs> yeah no you, you there would were many be moments brave. when there were many moments when i didn't feel very brave <laughs>
0: But isn't that what bravery is, doing it anyway? I think sometimes we have to recognize that we're going to have to do things afraid, like going afraid and walking into the yes. meeting unprepared and not knowing what meeting <laughs> etiquette is, but showing up anyway. Um, and I think that's what bravery is. It's not necessarily the feeling, but it's, it's the doing of bravery. And I think you've done bravery really well. My last few questions for you are going to come up. And this next one is my absolute favorite. Um, what is your hope for South African healthcare?
1: I I believe in the young doctors. I believe that Mm. the future and the solutions and the shape of the future of medicine in South Africa is currently residing in the brains of our current interns, our current compsers, our current six years. And beyond that, I want to (laughs) inspire them to to be brave once once they have the time Mm. (laughs) to do so. So so I guess the future I see is a system full of innovative solutions and they don't have to be high tech. I think Mm. innovation can be super low tech Mm. from taking the initiative to bring file dividers for the files in your ward
0: or a triage
1: box, as I (laughs) brought up before, Um, or little things like flowers for the grannies on Mother's Day because they don't have any flowers mm-hmm. on my birthday because they're in a ward little innovative ideas when we step out of our job description and and I think we're all we're all cogs in a wheel um, yeah. and on this track we are the intern cog the concept cog and we feel like we're being used and abused and wear and tear is occurring but I feel like there, there surely should be a future for South African healthcare where we are cogs in the wheel of a well-oiled machine that we are Mm. all like bringing our little innovate innovative solutions low tech high tech so that we can like support each other and not leave the track so to to create like a new like Mm. a, a new machine where we want to stay and we want to make it better because it's getting better because the people around us are making it better oh
0: man i love it I I love your hope for South African healthcare and I choose it as my own. (laughs) I completely agree. Well, you're Um, doing it, girl. (laughs) You're doing it too. (laughs) Listen, it's about the youth and it has to be about about the people coming up. I I think one of my personal convictions is that the privilege of youth is advantage. It has to look better. And if it's not looking better for the people coming after us, then we have not been accountable for our time. So thank you for being accountable for your time in such a way that it is looking better. Um, That an intern doesn't have to find pieces of paper or fight with the sister for the progress notes to make the list to have a ward round. But for making even something as simple as your work solvable and I think one of the things that you also said that moved me was just helping people understand what innovation is it's like a it's a it's a buzzword now in culture and in business but innovation is not invention you know it's not being the guy who made something we've never seen before it's reworking the things so that they work for us and thank you for for being a true innovator and making sure things work for us and um, in the ways we want to work I think it's absolutely incredible.
1: <laughs> you've got me smiling. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, for real. <laughs> In closing, can you tell us a little bit about the, the app that you've just recently released and launched and tell people where they can get a hold of you and the work that you're doing?
1: I certainly can. Um, so Wardworks is a free app for built specifically for the South African healthcare system. And it is a task management app. So... For the first time, we can all be on the same page. So from consultant to reg, to MO, to conserve, to intern, teams, secure teams um, can be formed on the Wardworks app, and this can allow patient sharing. So you can keep a patient list and know where they are, darted around the hospital at a glance of, on your phone, rather than losing patients quite literally. Mm-hmm. And tasks can be added to each of the patients. And... In real time, you can be updated of who did the tasks, which tasks are urgent, what tasks need to happen tomorrow. And if I mark a task off, if you're on my team, you see that it's been marked. So you don't have to climb all the way up to Peds ward because you know that I've done that blood. So it is a productivity tool and it is built specifically for the South African healthcare practitioner in mind. And it has been built by a panel of doctors and I'm very excited. if You just take a look on our um, yes. our Instagram page. It's wardworks underscore app. And our website is wardworks.app. And the app can be downloaded from our website, wardworks.app or on the Android and Apple app stores. Uh, Android one is Google Play. Google Play.
0: Awesome. Absolutely well done on this amazing initiative. And thank you. Um, for making sure that even the interns of 2021 have the resource of the internship organizer. You are doing so incredibly well. Thank you for being an answer to the ills facing South African healthcare and for serving the people behind the PPE. Thank you so, so much also for coming and joining us on the second season of Becoming Healers. I deeply appreciate having heard and learned from you today.
1: Such a, such a pleasure. And I look forward to listening to you the other interviews you have in store. And yes. <laughs> yeah, hopefully engage with you further and yes, hope where I can. <laughs> we have work to do. Thank you so, so much. <laughs> Such a pleasure, my friend.
0: And just like that, we have come to the end of our second episode of Becoming Healers: Something Must Die. And I believe that today some perspectives about what the possibilities are for clinicians have died. When Peter Ann was speaking, she said some powerful things that I'd like to reflect on. And the first which stuck so much to me was this idea of the train. How we made this decision to become clinicians at such a young and tender age. But today we are facing life and are journeying through our stories and we may be questioning what it looks like for us to truly embrace this this mission of being a clinician in South African healthcare, and just as she described, it is so okay for you to take a moment and consider what it looks like to journey on in this train, and the goal is not to get us all off the train, no, not at all, but it's definitely for us to see the impact and the power we can have if we exposed ourselves. To other things, or if we, if we allowed ourselves rather to engage our other gifts and our other and our other talents to actually enhance the experience of everybody else who is on the train. And that's exactly what she has done with the internship organizer and with the Ward Works app, tools that are now in the hands of thousands of clinicians on an everyday basis, because she had the courage to take a step back and think about what it would actually look like for her to add value in that space. And I hope you all know that that's an opportunity that's available to you even until today. That you don't have to choose the mold. You get to decide how you show up in this space. And it needs to be a way that doesn't just add value to the people around you, but to you. Because as our chairperson of mentorship says at JMD, you are a doctor before you are a person. Another thing that she said that I found really powerful was to remind us to ask for help. There are definitely so many of us um, roaming around with ideas that could add value to this context. But sometimes we're afraid to ask the people who we believe can help us. And I think it's so important for us to be courageous enough to, to challenge ourselves to do that hard thing. And as she described, when she asked, she found that people were ready to help. And the last thing that she said, which really moved me and really resonates with my personal hope for South African health is that we need to recognize that this healthcare system solutions are sitting in the brains of our junior clinicians the sixth years the interns the commserves and i find that such a liberating perspective as well because we've often been taught or the idea has been ingrained that the most value we'll ever be able to add will only be once we've reached the pinnacle of a hierarchy but she has exposed us to the truth that that is not true. That is definitely something that must die. We need to come to a place where we recognize that anyone and everyone can add value and that the voice of every clinician is important because this healthcare sector needs us to be the ones to start to define what it looks like to serve well in the space. I'm deeply moved. I'm deeply encouraged. And I hope you are too. And just like that, we've come to the end of our podcast. I had so much fun speaking to Peter Ann and spending time with all of you. And I want to close with our new tradition, which is just to encourage you with a prayer. Lord, thank you so much for the opportunity to connect with these amazing listeners to this platform. Thank you so much that each and every one of them is indeed an answer to the ills facing South African healthcare. For those who feel like that's not their possibility, for those who can't see past the reality of the dysfunction of South African healthcare, I pray for perspective. I pray that you would show them that you have a life planned and prepared for them that adds value to who they are, to the context of their family and to the society and the world that They live in. Thank you that as they continue to go about their days doing what they need to do here now today in the COVID-19 pandemic that you would be so kind as to strengthen them, protect their homes, protect their families, protect their bodies, protect their health. We thank you for the work that you are enabling them to do every single day. Thank you that they will do it with sound minds and with courageous hearts and with brave souls. And on the days when it feels like it's harder than it's ever been, I pray that you would be so kind as to lift them up and show up in their context and in their stories in a way that makes it so obvious that you are there to lead and to guide. We thank you for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. I'll see you next week. This podcast is proudly brought to you by YangMD. If you wish to be the official sponsor or partner of the Becoming Healers podcast, kindly visit our website at www.yangmd.co.za to find out how you can get in touch.